1: Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, it's Halloween weekend. We're bringing you some local lore, extremely insidery Pittsburgh costume ideas, and our best recommendations for some lesser-known horror films shot in and around the city. It's October 27th, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with CityCast lead producer Mallory Falk. Hello. And newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. Hey, happy (laughs) Halloween. What did you each do with your final whiffs of warmth this week? It was like weirdly 70 degrees the whole time.
0: Wore my shorter alls. (laughs)
1: I figured it was last time to get that look in I half expected to see you in boots underneath though like I didn't know what kind of vibe you were going for
2: (laughs) I love that yeah I got to sit out on my porch and drink my coffee and I just love this time of year um, Whenever the leaves are so
1: pretty so it was definitely a treat this week I saw the temperatures coming and still didn't take antihistamines. so now I just sound funny for the weekend. It's it's my my special treat to myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's okay. We'll get through this, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to keep things a little bit light this week, headed into the holiday. So first up, a couple of stories about some Pittsburgh lore. First, Francesca, you're taking us down to the morgue.
2: Yes. Um, have you guys seen the county's old space on 4th Avenue?
1: No, I've only seen the new space. Yeah, I don't think I've seen either.
0: Well, the new space
2: is in the Strip District. It's like a modern building. Um, But the old morgue is a three-story marble and stone building. And since Halloween draws out our fascination with morbidity, I thought this peculiar Pittsburgh story was uh, a good thing to talk about today. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, so I was sitting down to dinner with my parents and my aunt and uncle uh, last week, and they were telling me about back in the day, uh, teenagers would take their dates to to the morgue um, to look at unclaimed bodies. What? It was sort of like a morbid sort of like prom night rite of passage for Pittsburgh lovebirds. This is like the
0: old timey version of making out in the cemetery. (laughs) Blueberry Hill sounds a lot more fun without
1: dead bodies.
2: Yeah, I don't know what possessed people. I mean, really bringing on that uh, till death do you part sort of. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
2: But that uh, location is actually uh, not always where that morgue was. Actually, I learned that up until 1893, pittsburgh didn't even have a place to examine its dead the only morgue in pennsylvania was in philadelphia so the county coroner at the time herbert mcdowell he worked with lawmakers to draft legislation to like standardize and fund morgues across the state and that's when they made a makeshift facility uh set up on eighth street downtown but you know the growing city really overwhelmed this setup you know this is you know, when steel was happening. And and so I think that there were a lot of injuries, unfortunately, deaths related to that. But just generally, the city was growing. Um, so by April Fool's Day of 1903, the city put up this three-story building um, right next to the courthouse in jail. And actually, the fact that it was sort of revealed on this jokester day, I think, was a little bit of foreshadowing because 25 years later,
1: the morgue moved again. So they moved the physical structure or they moved all the bodies. Like I'm picturing the thing on the highway where they've got like wide load and it's an entire house on the interstate. <laughs>
2: You're exactly right. That's why I think this story is so bizarre. Um, So they didn't move the morgue into a new structure. Uh, The county spent too much money on this building for that. They actually decided to lift it up and carry the 6,000 ton building, 235 feet, um, and sandwich it in between two existing buildings. So that's where it stands today on 4th Avenue. And the process of moving it was sort of a marvel. It took 60 men in two teams of horses uh, for three months to jack up the building and move it precisely with this like raised wooden track and steel rails and metal wheels. It looks bizarre and I can't believe they accomplished it. But the absurdity does not end there. During the haul, uh, obviously death didn't stop in the city and Herbert McDowell was still at work inside of the morgue while it was being transported.
0: Like while it was... While there were horses carrying it (laughs) across town?
2: Yes. It, that is I wild. Mean, it took three months. So they still used the building. And the city, I guess, continued to adjust. It's like plumbing and sewer and water lines like while it was moving. And uh, once it landed on 4th Avenue, it served Pittsburgh there for, for 90 more years. Um, and I know this story seems stranger than fiction, but I fact-checked. Um, so as I said, I was sitting down to dinner with my family, and I discovered that um, my aunt is actually the granddaughter of Herbert McDowell. And that's Wait, how- you're really- Related to this guy, <laughs> <laughs> They're I'm not in the
1: lead, Francesca. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If, if you could have a Pittsburgh cousin, then you are related <laughs> by marriage to the county coroner at the turn of the century. That's how that works.
2: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not actually related by blood, but by marriage, it's my aunt by who married blood. my uncle. Um, but anyways, I think this, I just love this connection. I had never heard about it before until she shared it with me. And he was like the only the second coroner in Allegheny County. So I, I just think that this is so morbid and interesting and, um, you know, it'll make you think the next time you pass that building down on fourth avenue
1: yeah i just looked up a picture this i mean it's a building you know i mean if you've glanced at this building it's that super dark like reddish colored brick with a huge arch in the front we'll put a link to a photo of it in our show notes
2: yeah and uh be sure to check monday's hey pittsburgh newsletter i'll have more about that story and those photos there
1: um so one more uh have you ever heard of the gibson girl no this Mm -mm. i mean i feel like this sounds familiar, but tell us. I I put a link, click through it. Oh wow. She's Ooh. stunning. She's got quite the up to you. Yeah, it's this drawing. Her eyes are a little bit closed. She's got like a little bit of a like kind of a glance to her, like a mysterious, like a little bit of a mystique. Um, a pouty lip. Yeah. So <laughs> this drawing or series of drawings are considered kind of the first incarnation of like the quote unquote modern woman. Oh. Um, it was this ideal for feminine attractiveness, which of course has carried on through the modern era in, in unpleasant ways. But this was one of the first times that it existed quite. In this way. And these pictures are actually based on a real person um, who was born here in Pittsburgh.
2: When was she born?
1: So these images are like turn of the century. We're kind of staying in the same era. Yeah. Her name was Evelyn Nesbitt. Um, She was born in the 1880s around Natrona. So that's north of the city. She was a teenager when she was discovered. Um, She was considered very, very beautiful, of course. Um, And she modeled for artists in Philadelphia and performed as a chorus girl in New York City. And when she was 16, she was courted by this super wealthy architect um, in his late 40s. He became... Kind of her <laughs> patron of sorts. I know it gets and it gets dark. And- oh, I thought
0: this was going to be a, just a nice, lovely story about how then generations of Pittsburghers dressed as the Gibson girl for Halloween. Or
1: something. <laughs> no, but I encourage you to do that if you want. Um, but this is the real story. Um, he became kind of her patron. It did not go well. I won't go into the dark details of it. But they did see each other for a few months. Um, obviously, a very lopsided relationship in terms of power. Like, without him, she did not have a lot of financial security. Meanwhile, while this was happening, another wealthy man in his 30s, also born here in Pittsburgh from Allegheny City, um, Um, started pursuing her too. Um, Of course. Yeah. So she was not into him at all, did not like his family, did not like him. But when the architect's attention started to wane, she needed some of that protection. Um, But, you know, this guy's reputation was that of a playboy. That was right when that term was kind of becoming popularized. And he was kind of a nefarious dude, but he had so much money, he was able to get out of a lot of it. But the three of them, Evelyn, Evelyn, this guy from Pittsburgh, the wealthy one and the architect became embroiled in one of the nation's first, quote unquote, trials of the century. Oh. Um, so it was in every major paper in the U.S. Um, the two of them were very, very well known here in Pittsburgh. Um, there's a pair of podcasts that we will link in our show notes to tell you the particulars. But if you ever wanted to know how Playboy and Gibson Girl and Trial of the Century all kind of converges and converges here in Pittsburgh, I can't recommend
2: This may not be a haunted story, but it is creepy. So thanks for sharing this, Megan. I'll have to definitely check
0: out that podcast. And then, of course, there's the legend of the Green Man. If you didn't catch our recent episode breaking down that legend and diving into the real story of the man behind the myth, we'll drop that in our show notes. I would highly recommend it. It can kind of close out this trilogy of Pittsburgh lore.
1: Do you like to dance? everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dress to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So Megan,
0: Francesca, I'm curious, are you two scary movie fans?
1: Absolutely not. I am never watching a horror movie if I can stand it.
0: Me either. I'm too
1: like
2: sensitive and jumpy, um, but I am here to discuss a little tour of Pittsburgh. I, I can at least celebrate where, where Pittsburgh uh, stands <laughs> and, and claims its spot in the horror industry.
0: I was going to say, you're both in the wrong city because really our like main claim to film fame is our zombie and other assorted horror films.
1: I can't even watch thrillers, Mallory. Like It's too much like all it takes is like the music coming to a little bit of a crescendo and someone (laughs) opening a door the wrong way and i'm on the other (laughs) side of the couch The, the door
0: creaks open and you're out
1: Yeah, like uh, just a little bit of violin music, like a record scratch. And I scream like a small child.
0: Well, any horror fans out there, um, I'm happy to join you as long as it's not too gory. I'm the, I guess, scary movie fan of the group. Um, And even though it's going to be weirdly warm this weekend, as we've established, um, I still think, you know, the weekend before Halloween is a good time to pop in a scary movie or I guess maybe pull it up now that we watch things streaming um, (laughs) and get in the mood for Halloween. (laughs) And yeah, like there's no shortage of scary films that were shot here in Pittsburgh. Obviously, we've got the biggies, the classics like Silence of the Lambs, Night of the Living Dead, which really kicked off the whole zombie horror
1: trend. And we've had episodes about both of those movies or folks involved with them in the last few weeks. We'll put them in the show notes.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, there are some lesser known horror films that were shot in and around Pittsburgh that could make for fun viewing this weekend. So I gave our team a challenge. I didn't realize quite how much of a challenge it was because I didn't realize Megan and Francesca, <laughs> you're a version to scary movies. So I'm sorry this was your assignment. We're but still um, here to play. <laughs> still here. Uh, and each of us picked an obscure Pittsburgh horror film that we haven't seen yet, but are intrigued by that we are going to recommend here.
1: Yeah, so the movies themselves don't necessarily have our stamp of approval, not yet, um, because we were planning maybe to watch them this weekend, hopefully, if we can find them. Um, But something about the premise or the trailer or the backstory caught our eye, so we decided this is our one.
0: And we've got to shout out CityCast producer A.K.L. Mooman. Uh, We asked him to round up all the Pittsburgh-filmed scary movies he could find for
1: us, and he really delivered. Oh, my gosh. It was over the top. Um, so I'm actually going to go with one of AK's recommendations. Mine is Creepshow, which came out in 1982. It's one of the George Romero films. There's a ton of them. And just a reminder,
0: George Romero, of course, is the brain behind Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, all of that kind of yeah. the grandfather of zombie horror.
1: A.K. says that this is one of his top five Stephen King-related films, Um, so I'm going with that recommendation. It's conceptualized in the style of, like, Tales from the Crypt, if you remember that from, like, the 90s and early aughts, but it was a comic way before it was a TV show. So it's this collection of vignettes, um, short stories kind of come into life from this comic book kind of idea. You'll
0: scream (laughs) at ghastly ghouls. Cringe. Weird kids
1: and shiver at the doings of evil doctors. AK says it's a total Halloween staple for he and a lot of his friends. Um, And it was filmed mostly in Greensburg, um, Monroeville, uh, even in Shadyside in George Romero's own backyard. Um, So lots of pieces of Pittsburgh's past to kind of creep in the background. I love when you can spot Pittsburgh in the back of movies. It's
2: like, hey. That's my hometown. I know you. So I've got a couple that caught my eye. Megan, thanks for highlighting this one for me. It is (laughs) The Mothman Prophecies filmed in 2002 with Richard Gere. And that one is... Taking place all over Pittsburgh, West Mifflin, Catanning, even uh, parts of University of Pittsburgh, Um, and it's a supernatural thriller about a reporter who is drawn to a small town in West Virginia uh, to investigate a series of strange events, including psychic visions and the appearance of bizarre entities. Of course, it has a reporter in it. This is very on brand for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I thought that this would be a cool one to check out. Um, and Francesca, there-
0: I would think the last thing you would want to watch is a scary movie with a reporter at the center. Like it would hit. Way too close to home if you're already (laughs) nervous about this. Well, you know what I
2: noticed about this one? It is only rated PG-13, which I feel like the ratings back then, it was just a little confusing, but it doesn't seem like it has a ton of gore. So um, that might be a fun one to check out. And another one I chose uh, because it came out in my birth year. Sorry, (laughs) guys. Guys, nineteen ninety-six. Um, it's called Diabolic. Um, or and you know, it actually does star someone who's French, um, or from Paris. So it might be diabolique. I don't know. And that has Kathy Bates in it and Sharon Stone. And uh, guys, I didn't know. Sharon Stone is from Meadville, PA. I didn't know she was from here. I didn't Um, know that either. Yeah. So that's a drama horror mystery movie. And it was shot in Squirrel Hill, Harmony and Uniontown. And it's about the wife and a mistress of a sadistic dean of an exclusive prep school who conspired to murder him. And Mm. honestly, guys, there's nothing I love more than women teaming up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) To take down the man. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. So that one looks like another fun one
0: to check out. Well, Francesca, my pick, it's one woman trying to take down the man, but maybe you'd be into that too. Yeah. It's called Innocent Blood from 1992, and it was filmed in Bloomfield. And this isn't just one where it was shot in Pittsburgh. It's actually set in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh oh, love is that. part of the movie. Um, and so in this, there is a French vampire named Marie oh who gosh. has a moral code. So she only drains the blood from mobsters. <laughs> yes. I pulled a little <laughs> choice clip from the trailer for you.
2: Marie had a hunger to feed
0: on the evil.
2: You want to ride? you got
0: one michelle's a gangster call me Sal. who's out to take over the city Will i call you marie.
1: Wait, marie
0: what he didn't count on was a vampire come on
1: baby relax
0: for the taste for italian
2: i you know what i what i love about these is that they're so campy and cheesy and like it's not it's not that horror you know it's awesome
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm normally not super into, like, gangster, mobster movies, but I love the idea of watching something super campy that's set in Bloomfield. (laughs) And she's a French
2: vampire. Her name's (laughs) Becky. Going after an
0: Italian. (laughs) A taste for Italian. Um, That was the line that sold me. Um, (laughs) But I also have a much more recent pick. I don't know whether I'm ashamed or proud to confess that my guilty pleasure is Lifetime movies. (laughs) 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 And not like the heartwarming, like Finding Love at Christmas, like Hallmark adjacent movies, like the murdery ones, where, you like, like the
1: really terrible ones where the crime is obvious and you know that something terrible is going to happen <laughs> in the first 20 minutes.
2: So there's a new one that we should know about? Yeah,
0: there's a new one that just premiered this past weekend that was filmed in Pittsburgh. It's called Handyman from Hell. Oh, my gosh. Can that I read you the description? So Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please do. Okay. This is from mylifetime.com. Maggie Anderson has just separated from her husband, and as a way to cope, is finally overhauling the beautiful converted church that she had bought with so much promise just a few years ago. When she meets the sexy, skilled Nate, she feels like she's met the man who is going to fix up her kitchen and maybe even her heart. What she doesn't realize is that Nate is mysteriously connected to her family and is entering her home and her life with murder on his mind. Among the stars is Jody sweeten aka stephanie on full house oh, oh. no way <laughs> i think she might just have a cameo but i was reading the trip did a deep dive into this movie she came to pittsburgh to film her scene or scenes cool so you know childhood legend in the steel city that's amazing well we know what mallory's doing this weekend <laughs> <laughs> i'm very excited if anyone cares to join
1: me Before you go, we wanted to share a few last minute costume ideas, if you don't know what you're going to be at, um, for any parties that you might have planned this weekend. Um, And of course, they are all extremely local. Yeah, we wouldn't have
2: it any other way. I put a call out in the newsletter and you guys did not disappoint. Some of you sent in some ideas. I also gathered some from social media. Um, So I want to share some of them with you guys. I have pictures linked here and we'll be sure to link those too in the show notes. Um, I love this one so much. So you can blend in on your commute this Halloween and go as a, I guess, PRT bus, pat bus seat. Guys, look at these t-shirts. Someone literally made the design of, you know, those retro squiggly designs of the bus seats. Um, It's incredible.
0: Yeah, I remember this being a gift guide recommendation, but it's this is like the perfect time to bust this pattern, this t-shirt out. Totally. Yeah, Jackie Wu.
2: She, I have a photo from her on Instagram, and she took this awesome photo where she's on the bus with her outfit. It looks so cool, and she even made a mask with the uh, with the design too. It's it's perfect. Another one I've seen recreated a couple times is Isley's chip chopped ham. Guys, this costume is so good in so classic Pittsburgh. Um, people use pink tissue paper and plastic to like go as a chipped ham bag. I'm picturing,
0: you know how there's the trend of like making unsexy things sexy for Halloween. I'm trying to picture like <laughs> sexy
1: chipped ham. <laughs> if you're not from Pittsburgh, by the way, chip chopped ham is like very, very thinly sliced Ham product, but it's so thin and like almost minced that personally I find it revolting. It is a classic staple of Pittsburgh households though.
2: Yeah, it's like kind of like a little bit see through.
0: It's so thin.
1: Translucent pink is not how I want my meat. <laughs> no. The first time someone in this town told me they were serving barbecue, it was chip chopped ham coated in store bought barbecue sauce and I could not have been more horrified. <laughs> oh
2: my goodness. Yeah. Luckily that would... growing
1: up as a Pittsburgh Jew, this was not part of our family's <laughs>
0: food tradition. I got to miss out.
2: I did take chipped ham sandwiches for lunch, but now I'm a vegetarian, but that does not mean I don't love this costume. There was a great one that Reginald's coffee shared from their um their Halloween event and someone went as like the Isley's counter guy as well as the chipped ham. So that was great. And this one from last year is a classic we love it the titty sphinx um that's based on allegheny cemetery uh statue Uh, maggie lucci did an awesome costume guys i can't get over this please look at the photo
0: Oh, my gosh. I just clicked to the link. I love the
1: asterisk. Not my real titties. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they definitely did it up. It's really good. I can't really believe good. I'm explaining
1: more things. Uh, the Titties <laughs> Fakes, if you're not familiar, is a mausoleum in Allegheny Cemetery um, in Lawrenceville. It's, a, uh, again, like it's just such an iconic part of Pittsburgh lore. Exactly. Um, And
2: then reader, listener, friend of the podcast, and newsletter, Maggie A., sent their costume uh, from a previous year. And I can't believe I haven't thought of this before. It's so good. So I'll send you guys a video.
0: This is incredible. If you all remember that classic Eaton Park commercial where there's a Christmas tree and the little star struggling to get to the top and the tree bends down and lifts it up. She is dressed as that tree.
1: (laughs) It's so perfect. I actually know Maggie um, from my non podcasting life um and eaton park loved this costume so much that they put it out on all their social channels it was great it was such a perfect choice that year incredible she should get uh eaton
2: park cookies for life
1: (laughs) (laughs) That only seems fair and megan you have a, uh, a halloween costume for us that you're gonna be this year Look, this is the costume that keeps on giving because it seems to be relevant every single year. A few years ago, I got an alligator costume and I've been wearing it because every year Pittsburgh has an alligator problem. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't understand what the issue is. Francesca, you put this in the Hey Pittsburgh newsletter earlier this summer where we had what, I think at the time it was four or five alligators so far that had been, had cropped up all over the city, especially the Kiski River.
2: Yeah. And there were more after that as well. So Megan, you, you bought this costume and you were chombers, right?
1: No, I was Chomp because there was a South Hills alligator named Chomp who was on the loose for a time um, with a not great backstory. Um, And then this year, one of the Kiski alligators that got rescued, they named him Chompers. So I'm just going to write a little ERS into the corner of my name tag with my leash. And (laughs) I hope he's all set.
2: Make it modern. Make it relevant. I love
0: it. (laughs) Mallory, what about you this year? So I've actually been trying to... um come up with a Pittsburgh costume that can incorporate a baby bump because a little announcement. I'm actually expecting a baby next month. So when I disappear (laughs) from the show for a little bit, that's why I haven't (laughs) gone mysteriously missing. Um, So I think I came up with a good idea for any other pregnant Pittsburghers out there, which is to go as the Mr. Yuck sticker to make your belly uh, that glowing green sticker with the disgusted face. (laughs) Yes, I
2: love this so much.
0: (laughs) And I also feel like I've got to explain this because I thought Mr. Yuck was universal, but I've been pulling people who are not from Pittsburgh and it turns out it's not quite as universal as I thought. I
1: think poison control, which was born here, is universal. But yeah, I had never seen that Mr. Yuck face until I moved here.
0: Yeah, apparently my brother has a Mr. Yuck keychain and my Partner told me that he just thought my brother was like weirdly into poison control when he first saw (laughs) it because he wasn't familiar. But yeah, Mr. Yuck, it's this like green sticker, like I said, with the tongue sticking out, looking sick and disgusted. And it was created by a Pittsburgh pediatrician, Richard Moriarty, more than 50 years ago. He's the guy responsible for the Pittsburgh Poison Control Center. So I actually found this Post-Gazette article from the 70s when Mr. Yuck, you know, made his way onto the stage. And I guess before that, um, you know, the symbol that was used on household items to signify that they were poison was like a skull and crossbones. But people had decided that over time that was more associated with like swashbuckling and here in Pittsburgh with the Pirates. Yeah, especially Yeah. So kids like didn't realize that that was a sign that something was hazardous. So Dr. Moriarty came up with a different design and he actually did this test where kids were pulled. They were shown like three facial expressions mad with like anger and crossed eyes, death, so with like X's over the eyes, and then the sick and sour expression um, with the tongue sticking out. And they kind of surveyed kids to see which they found the most repulsive, which they were most turned off by and would stay away from. And that sick face won out. So that's why that sticker looks the way that it does. And then got plastered on you know, toxic household products, I thought, throughout the nation, but maybe Primarily in Pittsburgh, if others aren't familiar. And I think that this is perfect
2: timing to pay respects to Richard Moriarty, uh, because he actually passed away a month ago in his 80s. So a good time to bring this up and honor him. Yeah, I figured it was a topical costume. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, all about kids at the end of the day. So, um, you know, once once your baby comes, we'll make sure that you have some Mr. Yuck stickers in your house. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And if you haven't gotten enough Halloween content from us, uh, stay tuned. We've got a special Halloween episode for you next week with a couple unsolved mysteries from our city's bootlegging past. So there's still more uh, local lore to go before
1: the holiday season is over. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our music is by Benji. Mallory Falk is our lead producer. Producers this week include Sophia Lowe, Lizzie Goldsmith, and A.K. Al Muman. Francesca DeBecco writes our newsletter with an assist this week from Natalia Aldana. And I'm your host, Megan Harris. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon.
2: And it's starring Richard Greer. But it's... Wait, wait,
0: isn't that Richard Gear?
2: It is Gere. Gear. Gear? Is that how you say his name? Gear? Oh my. Is he not a- yeah. My bad. Sorry.
1: Wait. <laughs> Are you young enough that you're not familiar with Richard Gear? <laughs> okay.
2: Listen, I don't <laughs> I just know. just sprouted like seven gray hairs. <laughs>